Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Knicks Wall podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host. I'm Anthony Corbo. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbo Anthony. Uh, joining me, as he does all the time, just can't get enough of him, is uh, Kyle Maggio, the Knicks Wall Zone, Media Day Maggio. What's going on, my man? Uh, not much, man. I'm exceptionally excited this week to, to get back and be on the pod and... Uh... Talk Knicks basketball. It's the unofficial start of the season, in my opinion. When you see everybody walking in in those crisp uniforms in yep. a cramped, yep. cramped small room in Westchester, uh, nothing like it. Nothing yeah, you like were it. saying there was not a lot of room to to breathe no, in there. Uh, it was a can of sardines that we were in, but you know, it's neither here nor there. Was it a bigger room like previous years? No. Uh, so previous years, I've gone each of the last two years, and the first year. Um, for some reason, they had it outside, so we were, but it was like a really big tent, and then they, they still had all the backdrop stuff. It was still nice enough, you know, but then it was a nice day, too, when they did it, so whatever, but then uh, last year, they did it inside uh, at the MSG practice facility. They did it on the court, and, uh, you know, the same backdrop, nice little seating area for the players, and, and then all the, the media seating, but uh, this year... They're to their to their not I wouldn't say credit but you know to kind of get them off the hook here um, they are doing construction there I do not know for what but they were doing construction um, so for whatever it was very clear when you walked in there was construction happening so um, I don't know why they had it in that specific spot it's a pretty big building I don't I, I'd imagine the practice courts weren't uh, under construction because the players were on them today. So I'm a little bit confused as to why we ended up in, it was essentially the size of a classroom. Um, obviously, I don't want to say, you know, it's not like I'm bitching and moaning about it being pretentious about uh, the size of a room, but it was just a very strange, and that's the next, you're worth $4 billion. You think you could just put us back on the basketball court, you know what I mean? It's very strange to just end up in that room, um, but it is what it is. All right. Well, you know, before we get into things today, just you know, a quick note: we are, as I mentioned, on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Go give them a follow on Twitter. Follow all of our friends on the network. Uh, while you're at it, follow the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Follow at TKW Podcast. That's where this podcast and uh, all of our episodes drop first. Um, go ahead and check out, uh, you know, the Knicks Wall's YouTube channel. Uh, thenixwall.com. How could I forget? It's the source of all of our content. It's where you'll find everything. It's where you'll find Baggio's two articles that came out yesterday. Did so, the uh, pen write back in the ink yesterday for you guys? A little treat. I never write. Oh, but real yeah. quick before we get off the plugs, a uh, little surprise, interesting thing that we did last week was we launched two new TKW accounts. Um, so some of you are going to listen to this and not give a shit, and I understand. Uh, some of you might. So there's two accounts now. The first one that we did is called Random Knicks. As you know, um, there have been what feels like thousands of players over the last 
two decades that have played uh, in the orange and blue. So that account is dedicated to some of these strange, obscure, fun, just totally random Knicks. Uh, so go follow it. It's at random Nick on Twitter. Um, a lot of fun so far. It's already, uh, you know, over a thousand of you guys followed within a week. So everybody's getting a kick out of it. I know I am. Uh, and the second thing, this one, again, you may or may not care about, but sneaker culture is big now, especially in uh, basketball. You see it on a lot of the NBA accounts or uh, slam accounts, things like that. People care about what, you know, everybody's wearing. A lot of players have great, great shoes. Half of you guys listening probably have a big sneaker collection of some kind. So we started a Knicks Fits account. So all the heat that these players are going to be wearing all throughout the year, uh, we have that covered now. So every time somebody posts a picture and you see some sneakers that you may or may not know uh, about, we're going to be tweeting those things out. And and whole outfit stuff too. Uh, Again, some of you guys don't care. I know. But there's a lot seemingly do so we launched that page it's strictly next you know it, you'll see some Clyde in there some old uh hat Carmelo Anthony and you know guys like I just posted a picture of Alonzo Trier and some uh you know I know everyone's gonna get angry but he was wearing Kevin Durant's the KD2s they were absolutely fire objectively speaking so go follow that page go follow both of them uh it's a lot of fun we're just trying to do a little bit extra for you guys this year that's all so yeah so let, let's, uh, you know, without further ado, let's hop right into uh, yesterday's festivities. So uh, you were there, you were in person, you, uh, you know, you're asking questions, you you, you got it all going on. Um, I kind of want to start at the top here. Um, I, I saw someone tweeted at you that amongst media members, there wasn't a ton of enthusiasm in the crowd. And it's been well spoken that, you know, the next summer and how whether it was a, a, an abject failure or you think that there is, you know, a, you know, whether if it was salvaged or whether this is a plan moving forward, like it seemed like the tweeter tweeted at you said there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm. And, you know, looking at uh, the, the comments that came out from the day and it's just the Knicks have nine new players on the roster and seven of them were free agents. The two guys, you know, Ignis and uh, RJ got drafted. And so Steve Mills said a quote, um, New Yorkers are going to like this team, the grittiness of these guys. That, to me, is a, you know, the cliche New York response. But when you heard some of these guys speaking for the first time as a Nick and, and, you know, you heard Mills and Perry addressing the crowd and just kind of like, is that is that kind of going to be the feeling that you think it's going to come out of this team coming into the year? Like, are we going to be seeing flashes of the grit and grind Grizzlies that David Fisdale was a part of? I don't know, man. Uh, I would hope so. I mean, you know, something that we've been talking about since they signed most of these guys was that we wanted to um, just see a good, like, normal brand of basketball, a good competitive brand of basketball. And, you know, what's the old saying? Like, uh, you could beat talent if talent don't work hard. And that's the kind of mentality that they should have. Yeah, they don't have all the star power. You know, they have guys that hypothetically could break out. The only one that has know a real shot of kind of furthering that right now with any confidence is Julius Randle who's coming off a 21 and 9 year so now he's going to the east he's probably going to be the top option you'd imagine he's going to put up numbers you know so he's got a real shot but uh, of becoming one but he's not quite at that level yet Uh, everybody else is just a giant question mark no matter how high I am on them so uh, I'd like I'd like to think that they're going to be a tough team and a fast team but you know, grit and grind, maybe not 
I don't know about all that, but I think in terms of, you know, maybe playing a little bit more physical interior defense, you know, I think they could afford to do that because you have Mitchell Robinson behind you now. So let's say Luke Morris starts at the three and you got Randall at the four. Those are physical guys right there. Your front court should be physical. And if they get by you, you know, Mitchell should be, you know, able to wipe out anything and everything. So um, I, I don't know the defensive identity of this team, what they're going to be. Uh, I do know offensively, they probably shouldn't be a half court, te- a half court team. And Fizdale alluded to them being a little bit more uh, playing with a lot more pace this upcoming year, which is something that we, you and I were both speaking about last week, but um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think they're going to be grit and grind per se. I think it's going to be like that first year, like when he was in Memphis, like you were saying, where, you know, he kind of shifted the identity to go small ball. And I think a lot of us were hoping for that last year. And we never got that from him. Again, the, the roster is terrible. But, um, you know, now he's talking like that guy that we thought we were getting from Memphis. So I, I, I know media day, you're not supposed to drink the Kool-Aid. And I'm not saying I am. But, like, if there's any one thing that I could probably believe from a day full of strange quotes, that would be it. That Like, he actually is trying to play fast. Because we saw him do that in Memphis that first season. They were shooting a lot more threes, a lot less mid-range. Uh, the pace really picked up. So I, I would really hope that he remembers how to do that with a better transition team. And so kind of like along the same lines of our, our you know, our, our leadership here, uh, you know, Scott Perry came out with a quote after that that said, I'm not here to predict records, but I expect us to be better and improved basketball team. I expect the team to grow and develop and to show that and exhibit that throughout the course of the season. My kind of question about that, because that's, he gave a little bit more of the, I suppose, the whether it's nuance or just kind of word salad. Like he gave he gave a little bit of the longer take than just Mills going with the grittiness. And I, I don't suspect that they're not. But what can you say about them and, and David Fizdale? Like, do they feel like they're on the same page together? Does is the camaraderie that kind of seemed to be growing between them when, you know, when Fizdale was hired and, you know, even before that, when Perry came into the picture, like, do, does this front office still exhibit that same kind of optimism and you know togetherness that they they've kind of tried to pride themselves on in the last couple of years i think so only because they seemed like they were holding on for dear life when the press conference started and what i mean by that is they very loudly i mean they heard us all summer not us you know me and you i mean us as as fans us as the public us as the media they heard everybody and they kind of just came out very defensive in that same way that you know, uh, an hour or two after, uh, hour or two after they missed out on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they were talking. You know, they sent that press release out about, oh, you know, don't worry, Knicks fans, da 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 da. You know, we're putting together the best basketball team. We, like, you know, like the it seemed like the the saving face thing. They were trying to do it in person this time. Uh, I know Perry specifically brought up the the power forward thing, the power forward jokes, and you know, it just seemed like like look. My thing was, we know every media day you're going to say the same stuff and you're going to find the right things to say about your players. Like they said yesterday, the grittiness, the toughness, they're going to play like, you know, in, in a way to make New Yorkers proud. Like I, they knew what they were doing and, you know, I don't blame them. That's part of their job is the sales pitch and to make sure everybody believes that everything's okay. But, um, you know, it just seemed a little bit strange to just come out sort of, I wouldn't say unprovoked because they, you know, we were asking about it yesterday, but kind of the way they were talking about it was just like, 
yeah, like, shut up. Like, that was the tone that I got. It was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we we know we signed the forwards, okay? We only had Mitchell Robinson signed before the year, so, sh- so shut up, you know? Not, and they weren't rude or anything, but it was just like, it was just like a defensive tone. It's the best way I could describe it. And that, yeah. And that's why, I, that's why the whole press conference is kind of lacking that enthusiasm because it's like, all right, all right, like, instead of just telling us the players are gritty, you should have been more excited, you know? They should. I, I think they kind of botched the tone, but I feel like I'm probably nitpicking too. Um, that that Mitchell Robinson quote that they said, or the fact that they only had him in the front court, kind of like struck me as interesting. Because I mean, like you do still have, you know, you have other guys that you could play over at the four that were on the roster. Like you know, Kevin Knox is the one that comes to name. Well, you know, and we could, we'll talk more about him a little bit later. But you know, that kind of just struck me as more of the you know convenient response to the uh, joke that got made over the summer. But. You know, I kind of want to shift our attention to uh, some of the more individual players now at this point. Um, And I I think the best place to start is with R.J. Barrett. And I didn't really see a ton of, you know, R.J. Barrett quotes come out throughout the course of the day. But, um, you know, the one that I did see come out was, you know, they they asked him about whether he's going to be a two or a three. And R.J.'s quote was, if you watch me at Duke, you know, I'll do anything coach wants. Um, what, so do you, do you think that he has a a real opinion on, you know, where he'll be most effective in the lineup? And like, if it came down to him not starting at all to begin the season, like, do you think that's something that he is like 100% behind? Uh, so first of all, I actually asked him that question. And the reason you didn't hear a lot of quotes from him all day was because, um, he's, he's very good at the media game. He's very trained, um, I'm not gonna say he was like dodging or deflecting answers, but he was very smooth and very short and very concise with his answers to kind of keep the process moving along. So there wasn't really any drawn out interviews where some guys might sit there and be a little bit more uh, insightful. Uh, he was more just like happy to be there, kind of like, okay, you know, what's the next question, next question, next question. So, and that's not like in a, you know, not in a bad way. It's just that's how he was. He was probably the happiest one there yesterday, and I don't blame him, but. Um, so yeah, I had asked him that and I was hoping he'd give me a little something. Um, he kind of just said, you know, the, you know, the quote that you said, and I, I don't think he's blowing smoke up anybody's ass or anything. Um, from all, by all accounts, from everything we've heard from, uh, you know, the, our own very plugged in Joe Nardone, uh, of CBB today, uh, he spoke to college people around, uh, that have known RJ and kind of things that they've heard through the wire and um by all accounts he's like a super coachable kid so i think that's just who he is like that lines up with everything that we've heard about him in the pre-draft process from uh, some people that we've spoken to you know so that that made sense to me i don't think he's full of it now if he's not starting at all i'm sure he's going to be on board i don't you know he's a super competitive guy i'm sure it's going to bother him a little bit and it should but um i i don't i think we're all kind of fooling ourselves if we're like oh well you know, if he's not 100% on board, you know, that's not a good attitude to have. But I think he's going to just do the same thing. If he comes off the bench, he's going to be like, yeah, cool. I'll be a six man. I don't care. You know, he's going to be happy uh, or at least come off that way. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's interesting because and and I want to know if you heard anything more about this, but the the rotation you know, with all the players right now, but, you know, even strictly like the wing rotation is really, really interesting with who's actually going to get minutes and who's not. And 
you know, I, 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 I believe what RJ is saying that he'll do anything that coach wants to, and you can pretty much plug him in at either spot, you know, at either at any point in the game. And he'll generally be okay with that and find ways to be effective regardless. Like, did you hear any kind of clarity from, you know, whether from anybody, whether it's, you know, Mills or Perry or, you know, players themselves, like about who is going to be, you know, the starters at the wing positions, like how they're going to go about managing those minutes of, of the guys who can play multiple positions. Like, was there really any discussion about that or just kind of an introduction to players at this point? Um, no, I mean, the only, it was mostly just an introduction for most of the new guys. Um, we didn't really, when I got, when I was able to ask questions, I tried to ask those kinds of things. Uh, I couldn't get to everybody or ask everything I wanted to, but, um, I'm trying to think the only thing I could really remember was like Bobby Porter was talking about, you know, being able to stretch the floor out a little bit with his uh, shooting prowess. Um, he shot almost 40% from deep last year on decent volume. So, but that, that wasn't really about a, you know, a, a sixth man role or, or playing center versus playing forward. Um, yeah. Bobby, Bobby Portis is actually pretty interesting to me because I feel like I, you know, I didn't see very much from him yesterday either. I don't know how much availability he, he was giving yesterday, but um, he, or I should say uh, on media day, considering this will probably come out, you know, uh, when that had been two days ago, but regardless, like he's, it seemed to me that of the, the new free agent signings and the current Knicks, like he was the most vocal over the course of the summer about, you know, what to expect from him in his role and, and all of that. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm still really interested to see how that's going to work out, but I, I, I have a feeling that Bobby Portis becomes a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a vocal leader in the room than some people may be giving him credit for. I mean, he did have one good quote from yesterday, and that was, it doesn't answer any of the the positional stuff that you were asking about, but um, our our good friend Tommy Beer asked him, um, you know, Bobby Portis likes to talk about, you know, guys being physical, guys being dogs. You know, you hear him say that a lot. So Tommy Beer asked him, uh, you know, Bobby, do you think that you have to be born a dog? Or can you be raised into one? And at first, no hesitation, he was born as one. Everybody kind of like laughed because, you know, it's a good question, good quote. And then he's like, uh, he kind of got reminded that, you know, well, that there's a lot of uh, kids coming off of a rough year, you know, last year. So are you sure about that, basically? And he's just like, okay, I take it back. Like, if you have enough of guys, you know, enough dogs around them, you could be raised into one. And it, it was a funny moment. I wouldn't say it was as funny as the moment where Dennis Smith Jr. picked on Mark Berman for wearing a suit. Uh, that was a very funny moment. We all chuckled. But um, that was it was good. It was good, nonetheless. I mean, he was pretty... I got to say, like, him, Alfred, Dennis, uh, Marcus Morris, and, and Julius Randle especially were all pretty candid. You know, it didn't seem like anything they were talking about was was staged or manufactured or they were forcing it in any way. It seemed like they were actually trying to give you a genuine answer, especially Marcus Morris, who like, we, we all know what happened with him and the Spurs. You know, he had a, a weird situation getting here. Uh, yeah. Popovich's quote the other day too, about that seemed uh, to reek of bitterness as well. Yeah. I, I'd love to, there, I bet you there's going to be an article that comes out in the next few weeks detailing it. I don't know from who I'm, I'm not like, 
trying to give anybody a, a tip here. I'm just assuming the way that uh, the news cycle usually breaks for these types of things. Like an event happens, you hear little whispers about it, and then all of a sudden, like two or three months later, boom, there's a little article about it. Especially now that there's media day and guys are getting back in touch with people from, uh, you know, the teams. I, I would expect, I feel like, to see it. If not, I'd be pretty disappointed because I'd love to know what happened behind closed doors because if you piss Popovich off, to the point where, like, every time he talks about it publicly, he gets angry about it. Like, something must have happened. Uh, I'm happy in any situation that we ended up with Marcus Morris, and I'm a big pop guy, but it is very funny see him, seeing him be so angry publicly all the time because we got Marcus Morris. All right, I got more questions for you, but first I am going to tell the good people out there about Indochino. Um I spent like a good amount of money on some suits a few years ago. And those suits like have aged pretty poorly on me at this point. Like they are just at, they're like, some are too big, some are too, uh, too tight. Some aren't tapered. Some are, it's just, it's a bit of a mess. I need to be taken to a tailor. But when you, uh, when you shop with Indochino, you don't really have to worry about that because they're, they were founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on custom wardrobe. Uh, you know, you want, you definitely want your suit to have that, that good, you want it to look good on your body. You want it to be tailored to your body. And that's what Indochino is going to try to do. Their process is pretty simple. You just choose your fabric, you pick your customizations and submit your measurements. And then within two weeks, it, it, you get your suit right to your door. It's, it's, you can get met. And the best part about it is there's even like, I've been seeing one just open up in my neighborhood, but there's Indochino stores out there now where you can just go and get measured and, and, uh, and you know, design it right there, so you can you don't even have to do it online. You can actually have a tailor measuring you to have this shirt come in, uh, to have your uh, your suit, your shirt, your coat. I mean, whatever it is, they have just about everything come in. Um, so they're they're right now. I mean, they've exceeded expectations. They're the world's largest made to measure menswear brand, and you can start your style upgrade now with thirty dollars off your total purchase of three hundred ninety nine dollars or more at indochino.com when entering blue wire at checkout shipping is free that's a big plus that's indochino.com promo code blue wire for 30 dollars off your total purchase of 399 dollars or more an incredible deal for made to measure clothing you really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit and before i ask kyle a couple of more questions about media day i also do have to tell you all about our sponsor ship station uh, you know, when you're selling online, getting any orders out can be a real pain. I've managed web stores before. I've managed e-commerce shops and it can be, it can be real time consuming. It can be expensive and there's a lot of carriers to choose from. And you know, how do you, how do you know that you're making the best choice? I know I, it was very hard for me to know that I was making that choice, but shipstation.com's come along. It's the fastest, it's the easiest and the most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. Uh, ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or even your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them real easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts. They are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. That's a big plus. You'll always know you're getting the best deal. It's 
Honestly, it's no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, the Knicks Walls listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter promo code BLUE, like in Blue Wire. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. All right, Kyle. Um, I want to talk about probably the biggest splash of the offseason, Julius Randle. Uh, someone that, you know, everyone who listens to our pod or follows us on Twitter knows that we've been pining after for, for a good long time now. And, uh, you know, he's finally arrived. He's, he's paired with a, uh, pretty lockdown center, I'd say in Mitchell Robinson. But, you know, the one thing that kind of annoyed me that I saw come out of media day yesterday, and of course it was going to come up because it had, comes up every year from some player or not, but it's a whole playing in New York kind of deal. And it kind of goes along with the Steve Mills grittiness kind of quote that he had, but. Randall says it was an, it was a pretty easy decision for me once I knew I had the option. It was a no-brainer for me. I always told my family and my wife that if I ever got the chance to play in New York, I would. Do you how much do you buy into that? Do you do you think that it was more Randall saw a good opportunity and he came to play because he knew we could eat up on this roster and that he could, you know, be he could, you know, be a leading guy on this team and help, you know, them grow for a couple of years or do you think that the uh, the whole New York glitz and glam kind of thing was uh, the big drawing factor? So, ever you know, I don't want to piss anybody off, but I seem to do this every week at this point. But I don't think the the New York City glitz and glam ever factors in heavily in any way. I think if anything, it's a cherry on top at this point. Um, I, I think it was mostly opportunity. Um, opportunity meets payment because we were able to give him about twenty million dollars a year. And he's going to walk in here not being on the team last year and kind of be the unquestioned top option. So I don't know where else he could have gotten, you know, 20 million, you know, over three years. Two of them are uh, guaranteed. The last one's a team option. And, um, you know, be the top option like that. I don't know that a team like that existed. So I think when he's saying it's an easy decision, I don't think it's like a, in a greedy way, but like as, as a player, he's progressed every single season. Um, you know, he missed that first year after the first game with the Lakers where he broke his leg. He came back. He had a really good second year, uh, got really played a, a much better role the third year. And then uh, in New Orleans, he uh, broke out. And I, I just you don't put up 21 and nine and then don't find some place to pay you. You know what I mean? Um, so I think this was just kind of the natural progression of his career. And if he's really made to be a top option, if he has yet another gear to go to this year, we'll find out. But uh, to me, it just seemed like the right opportunity for him, even though, you know, much can be said about us missing out on stars all the time and uh, James Dolan owning the team, whatever else. But, you know, he did decide to come here. I think the opportunity was too great. You know, it was too much, too much money and too good a role. On that like note, uh, do you think that Mitchell Robinson had a role to play in that? Because I know he had a quote about you know being excited to play next to next to Robinson, and then you know he has no clue how talented he is and can be. But do you do you think that when he was considering his options, like playing next to a center like Mitchell Robinson, who projects to get even better this year and has you know that that kind of rim protection ability, like do, do you think that was something that really stood out for him and how he can 
you know, kind of have someone covering for him a bit on defense? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I Look, I, I think all these players are very aware of their faults, and I think they're very aware of what they might need. You know, I, I hate when we, you know, we talk about them online like they don't know what their weaknesses are. They don't care about a certain part of their game because it's a weakness. Uh, some guys try really hard and just stink in certain places. Like Amari uh, was actually a – he wasn't a good defender by any stretch, but – he tried hard. He just had no clue what he was doing out there half the time. Uh, I don't know what, why he couldn't learn to get better, but like his effort was always there. It just wasn't, sometimes guys just don't have it. But, um, you know, Julius busts his ass, but I'm sure he knows like, Hey, I, I'm really not that good around the rim playing defense, like one-on-one body to body. He's a strong guy. He'll be fine. But, you know, watching those cuts on the baselines or, you know, coming down the middle and rotating the proper way and getting up to the rim to block it. Like that's something that, need a rim protector for and i think he's telling the truth because he gave me a really candid answer when i asked him that like he went on for over a minute talking about mitchell robinson and i don't think he could have made up on the fly all the things that he was saying about you know mitchell's going to be special and you know i remember when i was playing him and very vividly he's telling about yeah i remember the first time i played mitch and i came to the garden and you know Every time I would, you know, come into the paint, try to get a shot up, this this kid's all over me. Or, I, you know, I thought I'd lose him. And then I turn around and he's right there, you know, trying to block my shot. I try to get physical with him. I try to get him to foul out. And, you know, I, I go back to the bench. I'm like, yo, who is this kid? And to me, like, you didn't make that up. Like, it's a real memory that you have. That's the way I read it. So to me, like. I mean, yeah, that, that sounds very legit. Like, I, I, I think their excitement, and I think that pairing is going to be one of the biggest things to look for uh, for this coming year. But. I mean, like on Mitch, just on Mitchell Robinson alone, like he looks like he's like genuinely trying to become a bit of an offensive force. Like he said he was working on threes all summer and, you know, a video came out of him earlier, you know, like after on, uh, I think it was today, Tuesday that it came out, but, uh, you know, it was him shooting some corner, some threes from the corner and the shot looked pretty smooth. Like it was a good arc on that shot. It, it was, looked like something he kind of, at least in just shoot around, like was able to do pretty naturally. And I know that doesn't always translate to the game, but like how, I guess, excited do you think that he, did he seem about shooting threes? Like how, what, what was Mitchell was, did I, I forget? Did he have availability yesterday? He, he did not. He did not. He did not. We, no, he, we didn't, I don't know what happened, but he wasn't made available to us. We weren't told anything, hmm. but he did have uh, today. Uh, right after practice, he did have a very, very fun quote that uh, I know everybody's going to be very excited to hear. I tweeted it out earlier from TKW. Um, Mitchell Robinson on shooting threes this upcoming season said, I worked on them all summer. Why well, work on something you're not going to use? Sounds like he's ready. Do you think that's something that he tries for preseason and like two weeks before he realizes that he's shooting like 17% and then stops? Look, it's possible. We know game speed is much different than practice speed. I know he was shooting a little bit more in, in high school, but that is a far cry from college. I know I watched him pregame last year a few times and uh, he was shooting, you know, outside jumpers. Uh, the, the season, uh, the last home game of the season last year against the Pistons. Uh, we were there pregame and he shot some from deep and I saw him hit a couple. I mean, 
he's certainly capable. We see these practice videos, these ones, uh, him in the gym at 11 p.m. at night, just shooting threes. Like, he can shoot. I, I'm fully convinced he can shoot. I don't know that. I feel the only reason I, I'm worried about feeding into it is because I feel like every year we do this with the bigs, every year we do this with the centers. We see videos of them, and then we go, oh, okay, they're going to finally start shooting. And I feel like one out of every ten times it happens. Like, Cantor, remember, Cantor was going to supposed to start shooting threes, and all these videos of him, you know, from deep. And he shot a, a handful maybe last year. It felt like in the beginning of the year they tried to get him going, and then he just stopped shooting them, kind of like you were just saying. So I, I don't know. I'd love to see it. I mean, you need to have bigs that can shoot. Randall, thankfully, is a is a four who can stretch the floor out and make that. He shot, you know, I think 33-ish, 34-ish percent last year, if I'm not mistaken, from deep on almost three attempts. So it's not the end of the world if Mitch doesn't shoot it, but, like, this is 2019. The more shooting, the better. Like, if he's actually, you know, if, if they're practicing full speed and he's he's ripping these threes and just knocking them down, I don't know if he's catching and shoot, pulling up or whatever, but then yeah, let him shoot it. What the hell? I mean, we haven't shoot it, had uh, shooting in years. Years. We're always looking for shooting. If he could shoot it, yeah, let him shoot. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine he and Bobby Portis like both essentially like being able to let it rip from the three-point line? Like that would be that would be really, really interesting for our center rotation. Uh, Randall shot 34.4% last year on 2.7. I mean, that's, that's, that's solid. That's, those are solid numbers from a four. Yeah, for his position, that's... That's yeah. damn good. You know what I mean? So I kind of want to move back over to the uh, to the backcourt because we have a couple of guys I want to touch on before we wrap up today, uh, you know, that we haven't gone to quite yet. But uh, so Dennis Smith Jr. obviously has a lot of expectations and questions uh, going into this coming season. Um, seems to be a little bit guarded with his responses going into the, uh, you know, when, when addressing media. So what? I mean, what do you what do you make of that? Do you think he's just kind of trying to be self-motivating and not speaking too much? Or uh, is, is he a little concerned about something? What what did you make of Dennis Smith Jr. yesterday? I saw he seemed he played things a little close to the vest, but he seemed very loose and very confident is the best way I could uh, I could word it. Like there was one there was one question he got asked is, you know, how a lot of times uh, people have said about him the last few years that he might be a, a good player, but he doesn't play winning basketball. Like he doesn't impact games, but he's a good player. You know what I mean? Like one of those guys. So he got asked the question, is the best version of Dennis Smith Jr. like conducive of wins for this Knicks team? So then Dennis took a second and just, uh, I forgot who asked that question, but he took a second, just looked right back at the dude. And he said, the best version of Dennis Smith Jr. You put him out on that uh, Knicks team. It's a pretty good team. Like he seems, he seems very confident. Like he said, he was going to be, uh, he didn't shy away from the three point shooting talk. Uh, the only thing he was really guarded about was they asked him if he has any goals for his shooting or scoring this year. And he said, I do, but I'm not going to tell you guys, which I think that's, that's fair. I don't think, you know, a lot of times at media day, you don't hear guys go, yeah, you know, I'm looking to put up 20 this year, 40% shooting from deep. Like, that's not a thing that they kind of openly come out with. But he did say, like, yeah, I'm going to be taking him. Uh, I've been working all summer. He was with Keith Smart. Keith Smart flew out to work with him uh, for a long time this summer on his jumper. 
to try to get it more fluid, uh, get that hitch out. So he seemed very like when they asked him, but he's like, yeah, I'm going to be shooting threes. Like hundred percent. We worked all summer. I'm going to be shooting threes. I'm going to be taking them. So, you know, like that was just his attitude. Like, yeah, all right, fuck it. We're out there. I'm going to shoot these threes. So I was like, all right, man, if you're that confident, you're going to let it go. Let's, let's see what you got. So, well, you know, with Dennis Smith Jr. hoping to improve on that, and I, I hope he starts improving on those threes because that, I mean, if there's anything that he needs to do to make himself, you know, the dynamic player that I think a lot of us think he can be, it's start ripping those threes and start making them. So I'm real hopeful for that. I believe in it, too. Like, I, I, do, I do think he's going to have, he's my guy. I mean, there was just a poll that went up on the Nick's Walls Twitter account a little while ago that I just voted on now as you were speaking. Sorry, I was scrolling through Twitter while you were talking, but uh, <laughs> uh, Dennis Smith Jr. was my selection for the guy who I think is going to have the biggest breakthrough season. But uh, you know, along the same lines of that, uh, you know, Steve Popper uh, reported that there's going to be, you know, they said there's going to be an open uh, competition between Frank Nielakina and Dennis Smith and Alfred Payton for that starting point guard spot, which was a little surprising for me to have them lay it out quite like that, um, but. I but that was kind of that was kind of fascinating to me. I I, I thought it was going to for sure be Peyton or Smith in for that starting role, and then Neil Aquino is going to be not really considered in training camp. But I, I I like the idea of the open competition between the three. Uh, he also said that the team hasn't made a decision on picking up the fourth year option on Neil Aquino's contract. Right. But uh, was there a lot of discussion about him uh, during media day? Yeah, or was he kind of a bit of an afterthought uh, as far as the team is concerned? Uh, not trying to piss anybody off, but it felt like he was an afterthought. They asked if they were going to pick his option up because it hasn't been picked up yet. They said, well, you know, we have time to think about that. And it's not until I think the 30th or 31st, uh, the deadline. Um, I asked Fisdale specifically, does he, is he really going to be factoring into you know, for the uh, the starting job at point guard or, you know, because last year he was playing wing and whatnot. And he said, yeah, uh, he 100 percent factors into it. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be right in the mix. You know, we liked what he did in the summer. But this was and I like Fisdale and I know he's a, he's a mostly a, a straight shooter. But to me, this one kind of felt like he was spewing a little bit of garbage. Uh, again, don't mean it in a mean way, but I, I know it's media day and you got to put on your best face for a lot of these things, but uh, we know he did this kind of last year where everything was keep what you kill and everybody's got a shot at any position. Nothing's guaranteed, but like he's not starting, you know, like we know that I'm not trying to like pick on Frank here. I promise. Like we know he's not starting. It, it is going to come down to Dennis. That's why they brought Alfred Payton in was because yeah. they want to make sure Dennis is on his shit. And that's, I, mean, I think that's, the thing that they want, I think the thing they want the most would be for, you know, uh, both Dennis Smith and Frank Nielakina to play Alfred Payton. So at least, you know, I, I, I think if they're going to try to be capitalizing on their investments on one way or another, whether these players will be around for the long term or, you know, one of them gets traded, which I still kind of think is inevitable between Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nielakina, one of those two won't be on the team next year. But um, I kind of would think that their best case scenario would be, you know, Payton is the one who gets... Uh, you know, the the least amount of minutes between those three. But I do think that all three of them will end up seeing playing time in most games. Yeah, so uh, just real quick, before we really wrap up here, there's a couple interesting notes from practice day one uh, from our pal Ian Begley. I'm going to start with... Well, I, 
What's I do have one more oh, question uh, for you if you if you want to uh on a, on an individual player before we hop into no, that. No, if that's all right. Um the last thing on Kevin Knox. Um in all the pictures I saw of Kevin Knox, he looked enormous. Like he looked cut. Um and I know he said he hit the weight room really hard. Just his goal is to get bigger, get stronger. Honest to God, if I'm going to be honest, like he looked like he put on as much muscle in one summer as Porzingis did in his three years in New York. Yeah. Um, and so, but I also did see a quote where he really only put on like four pounds. He didn't put on a ton of weight. So, I mean, did you, I, I only saw pictures. You saw him in person. Like, does, does he look that much bigger? Do you think that's going to be a factor in this coming year? So, so two things. Um, he absolutely looked much bigger. It was evident when he walked in. Um, the second, yes, that's correct. He only put on three or four pounds. He said last year he weighed 215 pounds while he was playing. Uh, as of today, when he weighed in, he was 218, 219, somewhere in there. So he didn't, re- I mean, three or four pounds isn't nothing. Like that's a decent amount of muscle, but he even seemed to understand that like it's not going to stick. He's just like, yeah, I mean, I was, I was lifting a lot this summer. I was in the weight room a lot. And then he made some comment like, um, I'm paraphrasing, but Basically, well, once we start playing again, I'm sure it's going to go back down to 215. And not that I'm a professional athlete by any means, but I do remember that that's kind of what happens is uh, when when you lift more than you're playing for a while, you do put on that weight and you feel good. But then when you get back into just running all the time, like it does just kind of melt off of you. So I'm going to hope some of it sticks. Um, he's obviously going to be working out all during the season, too. It's going to be a little bit different. His regimen's going to change. Uh, I would hope. I would hope that it helps. I don't know that it will. I don't know that it's enough uh, quite yet like with where it's going to fall once he loses some weight. But you know, I mean, he had a lot of trouble finishing out the rim. He had a lot of trouble getting into the lane to rebound. Um, I, I would hope that those kinds of things are aided when you gain a little bit of strength and a little bit of muscle. So. I mean, it remains to be seen. We're going to find out. I mean, the next first preseason game is on the 7th, less than a week away. Thank the Lord. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start to find out. But I, I don't – I think it's too soon to tell. I don't think it's really going to have too much of an impact, though. Sure. I mean, I, I'm, I, yeah, I don't really care if he, you know, how much weight he puts on or, you know, anything like that. I just, I just want him to be able to – you know, be able to get in, like you said, get into the lane a little bit more, finish around the rim a little bit better, like be confident enough in his body and his own strength that he can, you know, be, you know, effectively get, you know, score at the rim. It's something he was historically bad at last year. And I know that he did uh, say something else about him. Uh, they took a lot of tough twos and, and uh, contested shots last year. And he's going to try to eliminate them out of his game. And I think that's big. Um, but I, I, the biggest thing that I want to see out of him is, uh, you know, efficiency and competency around the rim. Yeah, I mean, he'll be, um, he'll be good if all he does is shoot open threes and slash and just get to the rim. Like, yeah. like stop, stop dicking around with the ball. Stop trying to handle all the time. Like, he'll do it occasionally, but it shouldn't be anywhere near what he was doing last year. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, it wasn't entirely his fault either, but yeah, just really minimize it. Just try to catch and shoot or make a move to the basket and try to finish for a layup. Like, really, don't don't overcomplicate this. So uh, I guess just to put a, put a bow on things here, I very rudely cut you off uh, <laughs> while you were 
attempting to talk about some open practice. So uh, why don't you go back into that? Because I have no idea what you were going to say. Yeah, no, just because we were talking about Dennis and uh, Fizdale had a quote today about his jump shot because that's – we care about like three things as Knicks fans right now. We cared about Frank not looking like garbage in the World Cup. He didn't. That was good. We all breathed a sigh of relief and moved on. Uh, We cared about Mitchell Robinson. uh, Just, I mean, the three-point shooting has been the hot thing all summer. And uh, the other thing was there was like hitch watch. You know, every time Dennis Smith popped up in a workout video, we were checking and scanning for any semblance of a hitch. So that being said, Fisdale uh, thankfully gives us some, you know, a little bit of content here with a quote. Uh, He said, it's a lot better. Uh, It's a lot less movement. It's more efficient. He put in a lot of time on the fundamentals this summer but it's a process. He'll have days where it's not as great, but I think cons- uh, consistently now he's got a shot that uh, now he's got a shot that has a better chance of going in. Um, and, you know, Begley here remarks again that, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. Worked extensively in a shot this summer with Nick's assistant coach, Keith Smart. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's obviously encouraging. Um, but again, I feel like a lot of these types of things are said every year. I, I want to just see it in the game. If he's, even in the preseason games, like we should be able to tell right away, you know, if he's in motion shooting some threes or he's coming off a screen and shooting some threes, like we should be able to know pretty quickly if it actually looks better or not, you know? So, uh, that's, that's the first thing. Um, I'm just trying to see there's something about Frank here. Yeah. So he was asked, uh, Fizdale was asked how, how he assessed Neil Aquina's season last year. And Fizdale answered the only frustrating part of last year was the injuries. Uh, roughly missed almost 40 games last year because of it. It's always tough to juggle working him back in, getting his confidence back up and stuff like that. Uh, he's really happy with the K- way he's coming now. He had a great summer, and today he had a real competitive practice. And uh, so that's, I mean, that's okay. Uh, we'll, I'm at the point where I'll believe it when I see it with Frank. And uh, lastly, he kind of sounded like he'd be open to playing big. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he plans for that. I don't know what he really means for going big, but his quote was, when you start talking about Kevin Knox and Marcus Morris at the small forward right there, that makes you pretty big. You could see the pecking order down the line. I could put a lot of different guys on the floor. I could play Bobby Portis or Mitchell Robinson together uh, with Marcus Morris, and that's a really big lineup. Um, and RJ is no small guy at the two or three either, which I found interesting because that sort of answers what we were talking about. Um, it sounds like he's just going to split time and Fizdale isn't sure where to put him yet, which I think we can agree. We like that. He's not locked into just the two or just the three. Like he should just move around on the wing there. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, oh, sorry. We are... sorry. One last thing. He said, he, uh, oh, yeah. sorry. He said uh, he'd be open because I don't want to leave off saying he's going to go big when the follow-up is he'd be open to using uh, Julius Randle at center, similar to the way he was used in Los Angeles, where he was just pushing the ball up up and down the floor, which we would obviously like to see. Yeah. I mean, that would be, uh, that's going to be a fascinating thing to look at. You know, the, just the, the entire front court, the, the three through five rotations are going to be kind of fascinating to me, but um you know, let's, uh, you know, that's media day where you, we have a lot of expectations now to go into the season. I think we have a lot of things we're going to be looking out for. 
Um, you did a tremendous job with the boots on the ground, you know, getting uh, getting some good questions in there, getting some insights. So, you know, all of us on uh, all of us at the Knicks wall and all of our listeners, I'm sure. Thank you very much. Um, before we get out of here, just a quick reminder to everyone to go to the Knicks Check out all the content that our writers are posting up there. We just had decades week going on, kind of uh, reviewing all of the uh, using Ryan Gray's newest, uh, you know, all time Nick team app. Uh, we were able to put together some of the all time teams from each era of Nick's basketball. So I implore everyone to go check those out. Um, you know, follow Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. Uh, follow the Knicks wall. Fo- follow at TKW Podcast. Follow at Corbo Anthony at Kyle Maggio. Um, yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. So, I think when does training camp officially begin, or uh, preseason games, I should say. So, tra- yeah, training camp was today, and it runs this week. And then um, the first game is next Monday, and I believe they're in Washington. Let me just check real quick. Yes, they yep. are. Seven seven p.m. next Monday. They're in Washington. Then Washington comes to MSG for the preseason home opener, October 11th, uh, 7.30. Then they wrap up on the 16th uh, with the Hawks coming to MSG. All right. So starting next week, we will have Knicks basketball to talk to you all about. Finally. Yeah, couldn't be more excited for it. So we'll leave you all with that, and we'll talk to you all next week. (laughs) 